Hello, Thursday, and welcome to the Piro Pelka podcast. It is March 30th, almost the end of March. March seems like it's just an eternal month, doesn't it? It's been going on for too long. Tomorrow's the last day of the month, then you have uh, April Fool's Day on Saturday, so watch out. April Fool's will show up. Don't get caught up in it, and don't play pranks. I'm not a big fan of the April Fool's Day pranks. All right, let's get into it. Lot to get to today. So many of you reached out over social media or over email. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, you're telling your friends about the podcast. We appreciate that as well. And we'll try and do more as as often as we can. But radio sometimes gets in the way. A slow week for radio for me this week. Next week, it's kicking into high gear. But uh, a lot of stories, important stories to get to today. I also got a note from somebody that said, hey, I really like this day in history. Uh, you haven't been doing it lately. I said, all right, I'll, I'll get it done. We'll re-add it. So on this day back in the day, March 30th, in 1867, the United States agreed to buy Alaska from Russia. And boy, did we get a deal. It was essentially two cents an acre for Alaska. So Russia, sucka. I know we called it uh, Seward's Folly at the time because uh, Secretary Seward negotiated the deal. A lot of people didn't want to buy it. Glad we did. Very glad we did. On this date in 1870, President Grant, Ulysses S. Grant, signed the bill that readmitted Texas to the Union after the Civil War, Texas was the final state, the final Confederate state to rejoin the Union. Good move, Texas. Don't screw up again. On this date, 1909, the Queensboro Bridge, also known as the 59th Street Bridge, opened connecting Manhattan to Queens. It was one of the first, I believe, double-decker bridges. And it's also a bridge that the New York City Marathon goes over when it comes through Queens back into Manhattan. That's a great deal. In 1943, the play Oklahoma, the musical Oklahoma, which I'm sure you know, that opened on Broadway, and that was the first collaboration from Rodgers and Hammerstein, legendary American composers. On this day in 1981, President Ronald Reagan, one of the greatest American presidents ever, was shot and wounded by crazy man John Hinckley Jr., he was trying to impress somebody. Reagan, thank God, survived and uh, was very, very complimentary to the people at the hospital. But he was Reagan was such a badass. He got back to work as soon as he could. On this day in 1997, a very dark day in American history as Wannabe from the Spice Girls hit number one on the pop charts. They're catchy tunes, but I'm not a fan. In, um, in COVID history on this date in 2020, we're trying to mark some of the COVID history as we get farther and farther away from the pandemic. Disneyland and Disney World closed indefinitely. You want to think about a, an earth-shaking reality. Disneyland and Disney World closed indefinitely March 30th of 2020. Needless to say, they're back open again. Thank God. And I think America's pretty much back open again and back to normal. At least it feels that way. It really does feel that way. 
All right, let's get into today in the news of the day. Before we get into the big news of the day, there is a huge and tragic story out of Kentucky where two Blackhawk helicopters crashed in a training mission. Nobody survived. Nobody survived. Pray for those military families. Pray pray for all the people who lost loved ones in service to this country. They were preparing to do some of the hardest work in the world. And in doing so, you have to do the hardest work as well. And sometimes accidents happen. This was a, a moment, one of those bad moments. Rest in peace, warriors. We appreciated all of your service. We also have a, um, a concerning event going on halfway around the world. Uh, Russia has taken a U.S. journalist who works for the Wall Street Journal and arrested that person, saying they're spying on Russia. Gee, let's see. This uh, journalist, Evan Gershkovich, I think is his name, or Gershkovich, was arrested on a spying charge just two days after he wrote an article saying that the Russian economy is collapsing. If you've ever doubted the value of the First Amendment, today is a day to say, thank God I live in the United States of America. This guy is now going to be a political pawn, no doubt. He has denied being a spy, of course. It just so happens Russia probably needed a bargaining chip with America. Let's hope the president, let's hope the secretary of state, let's hope We can move to get this guy back home quickly. The First Amendment also is a a big stinking deal today because we have to talk about what Washington, D.C., what the swamp is trying to do. And this relates to TikTok. This relates to the attempts to ban TikTok from America. And all of you know I'm not a fan of TikTok. I would like to see TikTok removed from this country because TikTok, in my opinion, and and the opinion of several other reliable people, is a a piece of Chinese spycraft. It is an information vacuum that's sucking up all the data of everybody who uses it. And 150 million Americans are subscribed to TikTok. That means that's 150 million Americans and their related family members who use their phones, tablets, computers, etc. They get all their data sucked up by China. And China's got a lot of people sorting through it and trying to use it against us. President Trump signed an executive order to ban TikTok. And Joe Biden overturned it. One of the first things he did when he came into office. And now there is a growing momentum to remove TikTok. But in a typical government overreach fashion, there is a bill called the Restrict Act, which is now out there under the guise of of blocking TikTok, but it's going to create what I believe is a dangerous censorship machine inside the United States government. I'm really not a fan of this. And if you are so inclined and would encourage you to do so, call your representatives, call their offices and say, no, no, let's not build another gigantic government agency like we did when the Patriot Act was passed 
and we created the Department of Homeland Security. We started monitoring the books people checked out of libraries, etc. It's not a good idea. The Restrict Act is going to, under the guise of getting rid of evil TikTok, sit on our First Amendment rights. You need proof? Listen to Rand Paul. Senator Rand Paul yesterday in the Senate rose to block Josh Hawley's attempt to fast-track the ban of TikTok by folding it into this gigantic bill. It's not that big, but it's big enough to warrant reading, slowing down, and let's just deal with TikTok. Let's not create another overreaching government agency. Here's Senator Paul. This was yesterday in the U.S. Senate. Right to object. There are two main reasons why we might not want to do this. The one would be the First Amendment to the Constitution. Speech is protected, whether you like it or not. The second reason would be is that the Constitution actually prohibits bills of attainder. You're not allowed to have a specific bill against a person or a company. So this fails on two egregious points, pretty obvious points, and I think we ought to think about that. I think we should beware of those who peddle fear. I think we should beware of those who use fear to coax Americans to relinquish our liberties, to regulate and limit our First Amendment rights. Every accusation of data gathering that's been attributed to TikTok could also be attributed to domestic big tech companies. Yes, but Senator Paul, with all due respect, big tech companies aren't the Chinese Communist government, which TikTok is. I, uh, I worry about big tech in this country, but it's nowhere near my concerns over big tech in China. But I'll let him continue because Rand Paul makes some great points here. In fact, one of the bills they're looking at doing is broad enough that the president will be given the power to designate whatever country he sees fit to be an adversary and whatever company underneath that definition. It would basically be a limitless authority for the president to ban speech. This is a key element of why the Resist Act is a horrible idea. A horrible, horrible idea. It would authorize the administration through the Secretary of Commerce, Gina Raimondo, who is just a Biden suck-up, to designate countries, foreign adversaries, as uh, dangerous, dangerous foreign adversaries. And she doesn't have to get any approval on who is designated. Does not have to notify Congress. Doesn't have to tell people when she changes the list. There's even a 15-day delay in notifying the president of those on the list. Why? And... As, as covered by UncoverDC.com, Tracy Beans has a great story, UncoverDC.com. In the bill, the secretary may also create, keep, and revise, quote, a list of foreign persons, close quote, anyone who poses a threat to critical infrastructure. Let's see. What's considered critical infrastructure? Of course, the grid. Of course, our transportation networks, airline safety, et cetera, trains. Oh, elections, too. And um, 
anyone who poses a threat to critical infrastructure, according to this this bill, can be deemed an adversary because of how critical infrastructure is defined in the Patriot Act. And if your name gets on that list, how do you get off that list? This is really dangerous. Will you be deemed a national security threat by a Democrat organization, administration? I am not happy about TikTok infiltrating our country. I'm not happy about TikTok having the access to kids and all the information on people's phones. What I'm less happy about is the fact that the government is using the evils of TikTok to try and create an even bigger, more offensive agency here in America. It's as if we learned from TikTok. It's as if we learned from China. And now we're supersizing what China is doing and making this a new government agency with all kinds of powers that I don't think anyone has the complete understanding of. Be very concerned about this, my friends. Be very, very concerned. And if you care about it, maybe pick up the phone and call your representatives, call your senators, call your congresspeople, tell them no. No, find a way to block TikTok. Find a way to shut down China spying on America. But don't create another giant three-initial government agency that's going to be all up our intellectual private areas. Let's stop it now. There was an interesting exchange in uh, Congress yesterday, not actually in the House of Representatives, but in the hallways, where Representative Jamal Bowman, he's, he's one of the squad members, one of the new squad members, was in the hall hollering, screaming about gun control because of the Nashville shooting. And the Democrats want to use uh, their emotions to try and get rid of everybody's guns. They're going to claim this is an assault weapons ban, but it does go all the way down to confiscation. And Biden believes that's the way to go, too. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by Joe Biden saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Second He's not a fan of the Second Amendment. But Jamal Bowman was in the halls of the uh, Congress yesterday and hooting and hollering when Congressman Thomas Massey approached him and tried to have a, a normal conversation with him. And we know how that goes with liberals. But check it out. Children at all, cowards, pressure them, force them to respond to the question, why the hell don't you do anything to save America's children? And let them explain that all the way up until election day of 2024. Let them explain it all the way up to election day for 2024. Now, here what Bowman has done is reveal the Democrats' plan. They want to take the gun issue and the death of children, innocent children, and use it as a cudgel, an emotional cudgel to say, oh, they just don't care about children. And this is Nancy Pelosi's trick. The children, the children. What about the unborn children, Nancy? Uh, Bowman will go on this on and on and on. And he's got the press. They seem to be all 
recording him on their phones, or there's a few cameras there. And as he's swirling around the hallway, here comes Thomas They're Massey. Cowards. They're gutless. We're not here. I'm talking about gun violence. You know, there's never been. I'm so Now, Massey stops and says, What are you talking about? I'm talking about gun violence. And he's yelling, is Bowman. And Massey tries to tell him, you know, there's never been a, a shooting at a school where the teachers were armed. And uh, Bowman doesn't want to hear any of that. In a school that allows teachers to carry. Carry guns? Would you, would you, would you, would you all guns that? So Massey's trying to have a discussion here. And all Bowman can do is scream. His feelings. More guns leads to more death. Well, Congressman Massey just said there's never been a shooting in a school where teachers are allowed to carry guns. Why is that? Gee, I wonder why. It's the same reason why the crazy transgender mass murderer in Nashville avoided going to one of the schools because there was too much security there. Gun-free zones are target-rich environments, but... This guy, Bowman, doesn't want to hear it, even though Massey's going to try, try and reason with him. More guns lead to more death. Look at the data. You're not looking at any data. You're carrying the water for the gun lobby. Look at the data. More guns lead to more deaths. States that have open carry laws have more death. States that have open carry Bowman's answer to facts is to get louder. He keeps yelling and yelling, states that have open carry have more deaths. And uh, Representative Massey is saying, hold on a second. He's trying to talk to him and say schools that allow teachers to be armed have never had a shooting. Isn't that amazing? But you can't bring facts to a screaming lunatic's attention because all they will do is continue screaming. And now Bowman's yelling, have you ever worked at a school? Have you ever worked at a school? Massey's got facts. He's got the truth on his side, but this guy just wants to yell. He wants his feelings to triumph over facts. Have you ever worked at a school? Have you ever worked at a school? It's a yes or no question. Have you ever worked at a school? You will not answer my question. Don't stop and talk to me. Okay, I'll bring it down a notch. All right, folks. Have you ever worked in the school? I've got a bill to repeal. Now, Bowman says he's going to bring it down a notch because Massey asks him to just have a discussion. And he's not. He just keeps yelling. So Massey turns to one of the cameras and says, I've got a bill. And as he's trying to explain what his bill will do, here comes Bowman grabbing him, turning him away, and continues yelling. I was a teacher. I was screaming before you came and interrupted me. I worked in a school for 20 years. I worked in a school 20 years. And Massey, trying to explain his bill, tells Bowman as he's walking away from him, but this guy won't give up. He's like a dog with a bone. He says, go over there and scream. Go over there and scream. I worked in a school for 20 years. 
Here come facts, more facts from Congressman Massey. Every school, I was a teacher, I was a school security. counselor, I was a middle school principal. I was in cafeterias every protecting kids every day of my security. career. There's never Clown. been a shooting. Clown. Never Clown. been a shooting. It's time, Look, we've got Why guns here to protect us. Why? And I believe the Ask kids should have somebody to protect them. Massey brings up a great point as Bowman is walking away but just continues yelling. Massey brings up the point that we've got guns here, armed guards here to protect us. But Bowman doesn't want that to protect the kids. Every school that's allowed it has never had a shooting, not even an accidental discharge at any of the schools. So. Well done. And then Congressman Massey walks away. This is just a brilliant piece of video that shows you the argument boiled down right there. Protect the kids. Allow the teachers that want to be armed to be armed. Make sure they're trained. It's not that difficult of an idea, is it? No. No, it's not. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? I know. I know I keep ranting about this, but I'm a big supporter of the Second Amendment. And I also think some common sense eliminating gun-free zones, putting trained and armed individuals at the forefront will clear up a lot of the problems. Are we going to get rid of all evil? No. No, because there's a lot of people that are clueless to the truth. And all they're doing is trading on their feelings. Because they like to think that feelings are more important than facts. And they're not. That's just not how it works. Hmm. The, uh, the whole feelings thing, I think, is going to ultimately destroy the left. If they can't deal with facts, they're going to try and play their feelings. And uh, another example of that was in the world of the trans issues. And I have to give a hat tip to Vince Cullinays from WMAL in Washington, D.C. And I filled in for Vince on occasion. Great guy. Vince, uh, Vince posted a video of Riley Gaines. Riley Gaines is a, a biological female who's smart enough to understand that she's a female. And she's a great swimmer. And it's genetic. Yes, Rowdy Gaines, of course. Uh, I think that's her dad. Uh, Riley Gaines uh, has been on the forefront of the arguments against allowing trans men, which are, um, actually, I said that wrong. Could I get in trouble for that? Trans women, so biological men who are dressing up as women, to um, compete against women. And she was holding forth at the Leadership Institute, and a, um, a gentleman... I, I, I'm assuming he's a gentleman, he presents as a gentleman, was um, trying to get the better of Riley Gaines, but she used those pesky facts again. She was talking about anthropology. And if you dig up two humans 100 years from now, could you tell the difference based on the bones? This exchange is wonderful. I kind of forget, but I actually have a question for you. You being an anthropologist, which anthropology is the study of human civilization, human. So if you were to dig up a human, two humans, and 100 years from now, both man and woman, could you tell the difference? Strictly off of bones. Yeah, because there's a library. 
Now, the best thing about this is this anthropologist just completely denies reality and facts when cornered and asked, could you tell the difference just based on the bones? And he says, no. When any real anthropologist, truthful anthropologist, fact-based anthropologist knows, yes, you can. It gets better. The crowd is laughing at this guy. He's trying to he's trying to take over the conversation. He's trying to present his credentials too. I'm the expert in the room. Have any of you been to archaeological sites? No, but you know, we understand. We've read the stories and the facts. You can tell a male skeleton from a female skeleton. There are differences. Have any of you studied biological anthropology? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I've got over 150 years of data. I'm just, I'm just curious as to why I'm being laughed at. When I, act, I, I actually, I have, believe it or not, I have put a lot of research into this because I... I I'm not. So Riley Gaines steps up and says, well, I have put a lot of research into this. And the guy goes, I have a PhD. And the crowd just laughs at him. I'm not comparing myself to you. <laughs> I love it when something like that happens. I absolutely love it. That's great stuff. Riley Gaines is really out there and she's uh, she's pushing and pushing the truth, which is so important right now. We have to keep pushing the truth and we have to keep trying to protect the truth. Because if we allow emotions to overcome the truth, then the truth just becomes a victim of the left. Uh, a couple other things I noticed yesterday Apparently, while we're being distracted by things like this trans madness and the push to create another government agency, there are people keeping eyes on all of the uh, Biden crime family news. Yesterday, Harris Faulkner, who I think is just terrific, on Fox, Harris Faulkner delivered the news that uh, maybe Joe Biden wasn't telling the truth. Maybe Joe Biden was lying lying out his butt when he was denying having any knowledge of Hunter and his business dealings. Remember all the times Joe said, I have no idea? I don't know what he was doing. I did not know he was on the board hmm. of that company. I've never discussed my business or their business, my sons or daughters. I never discussed a single thing with my son about anything having to do with Ukraine. I've never spoken to my son about the I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses. Really? Is that so? I, I don't believe that for a second. And it seems like every week we get more and more information Banking records, more pictures from dinner meetings, uh, discussion of how many visits were made to the White House when Joe was vice president. And yesterday, Harris Faulkner revealed another one. It appears that a second Hunter Biden business partner made a lot of visits to the White House. Visitor logs reviewed by Fox show 
Rob Walker made at least 16 trips there while the pre while uh, Joe Biden was vice president. Hmm. 16 trips. Another business associate of Hunter Biden. 16 trips into the White House. It's just amazing. Will anything happen? Will anything happen? I hope the hell it does. Because we can't allow this to go on. We just can't. We have to have some sort of accountability, especially at the highest level. The Democrats are always telling us, well, Donald Trump, well, every time you've gone after Trump, he failed. And yesterday we heard that the uh, Manhattan grand jury was going to push the pause button for a month. Last week, we were told they were going to pause for a week and they came back this week. They interviewed David Pecker, the guy that used to own the National Enquirer who also has a funny name we can make jokes about. And Pecker was supposed to have information that could lead to an indictment of Trump after he testified what happens. They called off one more day of the grand jury. And then we hear, oh, we're going to push the pause button for a month. Why? What are you looking for? A soft landing? The fact that we all have short memories? We got to stop forgetting about stuff, especially important things. We have to stop forgetting about the abuses of this administration. Yesterday, we also had documents that were revealed that showed that the, uh, the feds were instructed not to arrest protesters outside Supreme Court justices' homes. Remember all the protests that happened after the leak of the um, overturning of Roe v. Wade, the leak before the decision was announced, and there was one guy who actually went to one of the justices' homes with the intent of killing him. Now, just appearing there and protesting outside a Supreme Court justice's home or a federal justice home, a federal judge's home, that is a crime. That's a felony. But the documents revealed that the feds were training their people and saying, no, let's not do that. Don't arrest them. Don't arrest them. That's terrible. That's just wrong. Are there two systems of justice in this country? It kind of feels like that, doesn't it? Hmm. Troubling. Troubling indeed. A couple other things that have my attention today. Elon Musk signs a letter asking for a six-month pause on uh, artificial intelligence work. What's wrong with taking a pause to make sure we're not creating some sort of nefarious machine? I know Greg Gutfeld says that he's all in for robots and AI. Because if you kill the consumers, the entire economy collapses, then nothing works. So that's kind of interesting. I'll keep an eye on that. We also... Um, we also have, and I'll have to ask Dr. Royce about this next week, a study that shows if you want to avoid getting a beer belly, one of the things you can do is sleep more. That seems weird, right? I should sleep more in order to prevent getting a beer belly? Well, they're talking about your big sleep at night. When you, when you lay down and try and shut down the machine, you should go for at least seven hours. And that reduces your chances of getting a beer belly. We'll talk to Royce about it next week. When he gets back here, there are a couple other stories out there. I, I have, There's a positive story. We need a little positive story, right? Uh, 
Pope Francis hospitalized with a lung infection ahead of Holy Week, and it appears he's doing well after the initial treatment. He's only 86 years old. So say a prayer for the Pope, but it looks like the uh, hospitalization is helping. And uh, I have to applaud the FDA. I know it's a government agency, but they have now approved over-the-counter sales of Narcan. Narcan apparently is a miracle. I've watched how many videos of people who have um, overdosed on opioids, and they appear to be quickly exiting, about to die. And the cops or the EMS come up and they give them a little in the nose with the Narcan. And in seconds, they're back from death's door. That's a miracle. And I know there's some people that say, ah, they're drug addicts. Let them die. Sometimes it's a mistake. And isn't everybody afforded a second chance or even a third chance? So over-the-counter sales of Narcan, maybe it's something you should uh, Consider putting in your home first aid kit. God forbid somebody overdoses on an opioid in your home. Accidentally, I'm sure. Wouldn't it be great to know you could save their lives? Very cool. And I'm looking forward to this announcement from NASA. NASA is about to name the crew for the Artemis II mission to the moon. It's been 50 years since we've had the announcement of a uh, moon crew. Two Americans, one Canadian. Why? Why do we need a Canadian? I know. We're trying to be good neighbors. Two Americans, one Canadian to crew the Artemis Artemis II mission to the moon. I'm so excited about that. I'm fumbling it up language-wise. All right, I'm taking a quick break. When we get back, Lauren, fix the car coaches here. We'll find out what she's been up to. We're going to go to the car show next week, so we'll report together from the uh, New York International Auto Show. But we'll find out what Lauren's up to and maybe get some spring tips on what you should be doing with your car as we drive into spring on the Pure Opelka podcast. Our friend Lauren Fix the Car Coach is with us. Lauren is one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, not just because she has a cool job, But she makes me laugh and she makes me smarter and you should be smarter and laughing more. So follow Lauren. She's all over social media. She's, of course, the uh, Lauren Fix Twitter account is just killing it. She's on Instagram and Facebook and the Car Coach Reports channel on YouTube. You have to go there. Welcome, my friend. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I feel honored that I'm one of your favorite people. And you know, so so many cool people. So, yeah, <laughs> thank well, you. But all those all those really Hollywood c- celeb type people, they're all a bunch of phonies. We know it. You're real. We're going to hang out <laughs> next week at the car show in New York. And, and it's just going to be people. It's not, it's, well, you'll be glamorous. I won't. I'll be in jeans uh, and a t-shirt. Uh, I'll probably be wearing jeans and a blazer. That's usually the way to get around it. You wear comfy clothes. There's a lot of walking. There is a lot. I have my walking shoes picked out. We'll cover that uh, next week after we hang out at the New York International Car Show. First time the auto show is in New York. Really, the old full-on auto show since the pandemic. So I'm excited for that. But um, Yeah, last year was kind of lame. So as I told you, don't come. But this year should be good. I'm hoping so. I mean, not just the cars for the consumers. I mean, they're back to doing literally everything. So it's good. I'm ready for it. Normal. We're back to normal. 
Uh, yes. Lauren I and know. I were talking before this, and uh, you can hear my voice. It goes in and out all day because of pollen, Lauren. And uh, pollen is in the air everywhere because we live in the woods, and it's tree pollen, and it's, it's flower pollen. It's everything. I go out yep. in my car. When I leave the studio, my car has a, a little layer of kind of um, yellowish, mustard-colored pollen. Mm-hmm. And, and then it hits me. I get hit with the pollen bomb. And that made me think, I have to ask Lauren Fix as we're racing into April, what should we be doing with our cars now that we're full on spring? Well, I'm really thrilled that there's pollen because that means spring is here. Because We had a really, really tough winter. I, I lived through three nasty buffalo storms and one Naples hurricane. So I think I've had enough of this bad weather. <laughs> yeah, Time to move on. Got it. I'm ready for the pollen. But uh, most of the country is starting to get this as spring is sprung. Whether you're down south, I was in Florida for the Amelia Island Concours. That was back in early March, a month ago, and now it's moving its way up north. And as things are changing, all these trees are just dispensing all this yellow stuff. And what it is is obviously pollen. But it's not. I, you can hear I have a little sounding congestion, but it's, it's pollen here where I am as well. But um, first thing you can do, and you should have done beforehand, is get a good coat of wax on your car. And the reason you want that is when it's time to hose off that pollen, you know, it, it will stick if the vehicle, it'll actually stick to the clear coat if you don't have the paint waxed. Mm. That's number one. But the other thing is, um, if you're gonna park your car outside on a regular basis, like you don't have a garage, you have a carport, get a car cover. You can buy these cheap car covers and in the morning, when you wake up, you just literally shake it off. But if you've got allergies, you want to wear a mask. That's the one time a mask actually is great. Like even those throwaway paper mask, because you're going to shake out that car cover, and it's going to all come back in your face if the wind is blowing your way, which you never know till it's too late. It's one of those like I can't believe I did this thing. That's one option. Uh, the other thing is you can hose it off. But again, if you've got a good coat of wax, some people say, "Well, I'm just going to wash my car." The worst thing you can do, the worst, is use dish soap. Because you think, oh, this stuff is sticky, it's gooey, and I don't, I don't want to touch it. So I'll use car, you know, like, you want to use car soap. But less you want to use is dish soap because it'll take off all the wax that you just went to the trouble to put on. Hmm. So there, you can also run through a car wash if you don't want to do that. But you can burn 200 calories an hour and get ready for the swimsuit season. Uh, there you go. There you go. All right. And anything else we should be doing just basic car maintenance, getting ready for uh, spring driving? Oh, yes, plenty of that. The one thing with all this pollen is cabin air filters. So many cars that are out there on the road, I, I would say from 2000 on, I, most cars have a, a cabin air filter. So you sit inside the car, it's called the cabin. You can buy those cabin air filters and those engine air filters at your favorite auto parts store. If you ask for help, they'll probably install it for you for free. But you can always have a mechanic do it if you don't want to do it yourself. And what it'll do is, one, the air that you breathe won't be filled with pollen, so you don't sound like Mike and I, because we both sound like we've been living in a pollen storm. But the other thing is, the engine will get better fuel economy, and still, fuel prices are not going down. Yeah, well, yeah, that's always a good idea. All right, yeah. what are we learning this week, Lauren? What are you teaching us? Okay, I've got two Fridays, two segments I call them Fridays. We call them four-minute Fridays internally, because they used to be four minutes. I can't seem to keep it to four minutes. It's almost impossible. Uh, Yesterday we posted, or earlier this week we posted, uh, Carvana is potentially going out of business. Hmm. And, yeah, it's crazy. And so when you think about Carvana and what they've been up to, 
you know, they, remember they had those towers that looked like Hot Wheels cars? I thought it was pretty cool when they first came out. I thought, okay, it's a good kind of marketing tool. And they put billions of dollars in buying those towers. Most of them have been sold off to either other used car lots. Some have been sold out to other things. But the fact is that it was too expensive to have and have no cars. So they kind of got caught in a really bad situation. It's not that the company was a bad plan because there's Varum and CarGurus and 50,000 other companies that sell online, including dealers. The problem was there was a shortage of cars and the cars that were available were at a high price. And the demand for them was so strong that they, Carvana was fighting the dealers worse than ever. And they put themselves in a really bad position to the point that the stock fell 94%. Ouch. Yeah. And so unfortunately, the weight of all of the losses on the stockholders and shareholders. So they lost $1.4 billion last year. Mm. That's a severe cash problem. So because of that, everything's sort of the culmination of a lot of bad situations outside their control in many cases. But there was something that happened this week, or a lot, probably a couple of weeks ago now, um, that kind of, they've had a lot of issues. People that buy cars, you don't like them, you got to return them. It's a hassle. You know, you're dealing with someone on the phone. You're not dealing with someone in person. They're not down the street. And so all of this sort of added up. Recently, there was a guy in North Carolina who bought a $68,000 Maserati for his wife, which was a very nice gift, except he thought it was a 2021. It was a 2017. Ooh. That's not the fault of Carvana. It was Ooh. a stolen car. Ooh. Yeah, but wouldn't they have done the work to verify that car before putting it online? You would think, but apparently this was done by like a like a hawk shop. So basically they stole the car, switched the door and the glass, and the only way to define what it was is by looking at the frame, and the dealer caught it. And so, of course, the car was impounded, and the guy doesn't get it back. So I cover the challenges of getting money back from Carvana, and it's still in the court. It's, it's going to be ugly. Uh, Carvana, at first, was not very compliant to helping the person. I mean, that's an unusual situation to begin with. But the fact that now this guy lost the car, it was his wife's gift, and now he's spent $68,000. And I cover the details on, on that because I think people are kind of curious, what happens when that happens? Well, we soon find out. You'll have to watch the Carvana. It's, it's officially called, so you can look it up on my YouTube channel. Um, it says, what is, what, what is Carvana's shocking fate? Hmm. So that went up uh, on Tuesday. So take a look and... You might be surprised. I, I'm very surprised because, you know, whenever somebody is, um, you're checking out at the grocery store, you got $100 worth of groceries, you hand over five $20 bills, or maybe you hand over a $100 bill, and they swipe it with the pen. And yeah. if it comes up as counterfeit, they take away the money from you, and you don't get the groceries either. And the police are called. And you're like the most innocent person here. I feel badly for this guy. I will follow this case and, yeah, uh, it's an and see where it one. goes. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. I really do. Oh, you have to. And and you have to wonder if this will be a wake-up call to any remaining online car sellers. Because, you know, they could be liable too. Uh, in in one, uh, one quick final thought here as we're wrapping up with Lauren Fix, the car coach. I bought a car online last year. We yes. bought we bought a, a car to have to kick around in. You know, not quite a hoopty, but I bought it through one of the services. And I have to tell you, Lauren, um, parts of it were efficient, but I miss test driving a car before you buy it. 
Yeah, and also the connection, the relationship you create with someone. You may not like the salesperson, but if there's a problem, you can call them. You can go to the dealer, and you can and you can't do that. And I think the dealers know that they'll sell online too. I mean, I've bought cars that are brand new online, and then they deliver them to me, or I go get it. But this is different. A used car is something you should absolutely drive. I mean, we've all rented a car or, or used a car from a friend and said, gosh, I really like this brand and this model. I'm going to get one just like it. And then you get it and it's like, oh, no, I don't know why I bought that because now I'm stuck with it. And that's usually the case. And you can't. Some of them allow for returns, but the return process is a pain in the backside. Yeah. And then as I'm covering on Friday's segment, um, the pothole problem, if you had a pothole, because potholes are starting to grow, they'll absorb a Mini Cooper. Um, but if you hit a pothole and you damage the vehicle and you're waiting for it to be returned, and that happens, then what? The repairs are on you, and that will depreciate the value when they come to look at it and go, um, you said we were picking this up. This is not what we gave you. So you got to be super careful in cases like that. Wow. There's so many things to think about, and that's why we always love it when Lauren is on because we get to bug her. Follow Lauren everywhere on social media twitter instagram facebook and of course youtube channel car coach reports and uh, we will hang at the auto show next week my friend well i'll be in the city on monday just till thursday and then i'm out of there as soon as i get out of the city i will good plan